0: Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and cousin Jeff. Visit us at iHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handles: CriticsPod. Subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Lux, all your podcatchers. Uh, if you do, though, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We will read it on the air. Uh, Patreon.com slash critics pod is the best way to help support the podcast. And then our T public page over at ihatecritics.net. Click on the T public link. Sean, where can people re- read your reviews?
1: Uh, the archive blog dating back to 2000 is at seanatthemovies.blogspot.com. And then the modern archive is at uh, vocal.media or geeks.media, however you want to look at it, horror.media as well.
0: And Jeff, where can people get your artwork?
2: JeffLasseter.com.
0: Excellent. And those links are in the show notes. All right. Let's jump right into the podcast and start with M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin.
1: Knock at the Cabin stars Dave Bautista alongside uh, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, and uh, just a a terrific cast in just this one setting at this cabin in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. Uh, family is there a little girl and her two dads and this group of four people shows up and tells them that they need to kill a member of their family willingly in order to stop the apocalypse from happening uh, along the way we're going to see some death we're going to see some destruction via the television and uh, we're going to try and figure out whether or not the story that the four people are telling is real or whether or not uh, they are just the group of kooks who came together on a message board here's the thing though i didn't think that was a twist because i don't think the the marketing for this movie actually uh, doesn't seem to treat that as a mystery it treats it like the apocalypse is happening and uh, it's actually to me one of the more straightforward things that uh, m night Shyamalan has ever directed that said I think it's a pretty terrific piece of direction and a pretty terrific piece of acting, especially from Dave Bautista, who is so deeply committed to this character and this story. He's a guy who uh, was a teacher, like an elementary school teacher, and you kind of see that in his interactions with the little daughter, the eight-year-old girl. That was just a, a lovely couple of scenes there. Uh, but his his passion and his commitment to this throughout is exciting and fun to watch. Uh, Rupert Grint uh, is in this and has a terrific role as a guy who has a pl- part to play in the past of both of the two dad characters, but also has a role to play very, almost very briefly in this modern telling. Uh, all the characters that are really given some rounding, and you know, much in terms of it, nobody has an arc in this movie, which is very interesting. Like there's nobody who starts one place and ends in another place. They all are exactly who they are from beginning to end which is strange, but it kind of works because uh, even as exciting as it is to, th- to think, like, what happened to lead them here, I kind of didn't mind not knowing, and I kind of didn't mind that they didn't have arcs. I just, like, were you're thrust into this, and basically the driver of the plot is, what would you believe? Like, which side are you on in this idea? Do you buy this apocalypse, or do you buy, or would you try and save your family and walk the world alone together as a family for after the apocalypse?
0: Yeah, Jeff, what did you think?
2: I actually really liked this. I was surprised because, you know, M. Night Shyamalan has a shot like a shaky record sometimes, but I it was a really tight, well directed movie. Uh, it he was lean. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't really anything that you could have cut except maybe some of the flashbacks, but I kind of felt like you needed those to get to know the family to see what how where they were going to end up at the end of this movie and how they got where they are now. Um, I mean, everybody just, I I was really, really surprised because I, you know, I've gone into some of his movies thinking, Oh, this is going to be great. And then you end up with lady in the water. (laughs) And, you know, I'm, I'm also, but I'm not one of those people who necessarily thinks that what everybody else thinks is bad is bad. You know, like, I, I liked The Visit. Me too. I, you know, I didn't love it, but I thought it was a, you know, it was a good little thing. I, I mean, I kind of figured going about halfway through what what the twist, quote unquote, was going to be. But I like that he's done, he's done a movie that there is no twist. Yeah. It's, you know, is it, it? It's just a question that's answered um, by the end of the movie, but it's not oh my God, it's all happening inside a snow globe on this little autistic boy's uh, <laughs> bedside table like in St. Elsewhere. Right. That's a 45-year-old reference that nobody needs to. <laughs> <pick>
1: up, <so. laughs>
0: Thank you for explaining that to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes,
2: that was a show in St- called St. Elsewhere where the entire series, and then that would include some series that like NBC had characters come on. Yeah. that would have ended all of that was inside this little autistic boy's mind inside a snow globe
1: google the tommy verse and you'll
0: find out what we're yeah, talking yeah. about or don't it's up to you
1: <laughs> <laughs> bob what was your take on, a- on the movie
0: are you done jeff
2: yeah i'm sure
0: sure done uh, sure uh, i'm done <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I don't know if I loved it as much as you guys did, but I did. I did think it was good. I, I agree, Sean. I thought Dave Batista really was the the shining star in the movie. they kind of the standout, maybe, because mm-hmm. I thought everybody was good in it. Uh, but I, I almost think it was too tight. Like there wasn't enough fat on it. <laughs> like I really felt like, especially the lawyer character, I would have asked better questions and more questions than he did uh i I don't know i I, at one point they didn't have to answer him and they never attempted that and i think that guy i i just i had a hard time believing he wouldn't have just not said anything and then see what they would have done what happens Uh if you know what happens if we don't you don't kill yourselves then what you know sorry spoiler alert uh people die in this Uh, That said, uh, I'm being nitpicky with all that. That doesn't ruin the movie for me at all. It just makes it, I don't know, I just found it good. I probably won't think about this again. Uh, Uh But, you know, it definitely makes you, like you were saying, makes you pick a side. And I definitely was on the side of being skeptical. I mean, that's just naturally what I do. And... Uh, and it just seems stuff seems too convenient, but then, you know, I, I leave the theater, I go home, go to bed, wake up and there's two earthquakes, a train derailed and real life. So <laughs> who knows?
2: You know, one thing that I did want to mention, I kind of forgot is Dave Batista. I don't think he has a big wide range, but when he's playing something in his range, he is really good at it. And that, that control that he had, where he is so controlled because he has the courage of his convictions and he knows, he just knows that this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really, really good at that. He came off as
1: wise, which I loved. Like he, at the, In the end, it was like he, what he was doing, he, he almost seemed like he was a wise man who was advising them and not threatening them, which is a kind of a, a unique way to go. With this character, another thing I loved about this is that the twist thing, the M Night Shyamalan twist thing, kind of plays like a meta, you know, like a meta, not a joke, but like just something that kind of distracts you from what is going on. Like you're kind of looking for the twist, and when it doesn't happen, like I was so suspicious of it. (laughs) Like I kind of, I kind of through my review was kind of trying to find a way to trust M Night Shyamalan, and I had to do a whole spoiler article on it to run through it just to make sure. He didn't like try to pull something where it's like, oh, wait, I'm I'm not Shyamalan, I am God, and I was overseeing the whole thing, which he is in the end. He does try to make himself into God, but he like an old, like he made himself <laughs> the director of the movie that was happening within the movie. It's like, oh God, what a piece of shit. But like here, he keeps the God himself, God off screen for the most part, aside from a brief cameo. But he doesn't overdo it, and I appreciated that. But like the meta part of it, like is also part of the the thriller aspect of it because you're kind of waiting for M Night Shyamalan to try and fool you, and he doesn't, and that's that's the twist is him not calling a twist.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I've been trying because I was an apologist for a while. I mean, I even apologized for The Village. I didn't hate that movie. Uh, I didn't hate that movie either. Uh, and then after, for a, a few movies after that, though he he really started to suck.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> after and then, Earth. Right.
1: Airbender, Oh, uh, in the Water, Ugh.
0: The Happening, Happening, The Happening yeah. is kind of fun though. <laughs> <From> the Happening <laughs> is
2: bad. It is a bad, objectively bad movie, but it's funny.
0: Yeah,
1: you can't help but laugh at it. It, But yeah, it's the earnestness of the intent. Mark
0: Wahlberg saves the whole thing. (laughs) Ma'am. On accident. Ma'am. Oh, God. Ma'am. I mean, just the premise is dumb. Uh, Oh, yeah. Anyway, so. (laughs) I'm afraid of the trees. (laughs) So I've been, like, probably the last four or five M. Night movies, I've been trying to not even think about the twist. If there is one, be shocked by it. And then, like, an old, you get pissed off when he tries to do what he did but uh, here I didn't I just kind of assume there wouldn't be a twist uh, and because of that I feel like you can not only can you pick the order of everybody who's you know the four uh, whatever you want to call them and uh-huh. you know what the two protagonists you kind of know what they're going to do by the end it really it just based on the the characters and the tone and the characters you can kind of figure it all out without it and I don't think that's bad for it, bad for the movie. I think it kind of works there. Maybe that's part of the meta stuff you're talking about, Sean. I don't know because it's so obvious where it's going the whole time.
1: But <laughs> uh, I mean the, the the way they did it though with the the ver with the way they handled the deaths in the movie, I thought was very clever because I did not I didn't figure it was going that direction I, I, until it right. happened, and that was that was a pretty that was a pretty terrific uh, thriller moment uh the this couple of moments they they did that uh Rupert Grint pulling out that mask was like what the hell is happening <laughs> and it happens it's like wow okay all yeah. right we're in for this we're in on something now let's go
0: right that that was whole, definitely shocking go ahead
2: the whole subplot of Rupert Grint being the one and you're never quite sure until he pulls out the wallet was it him or was it not him who had uh, beat the hell out of um, the what's his name? Ben
1: Aldridge.
2: Uh, yeah, Ben Aldridge's character. Was it him or wasn't him? And it, you're like the whole time you're like he's going to pull out the wall and it's not going to be him. And then you know then he's going to realize that this might be real as opposed to just a revenge. But I I really want to read the book now because I really want to see how that's handled there. Apparently, um, the ending the end is the different. world. Yeah, but I was I when I when when he pulled that, you know, the name out and he was like, okay and I was like, okay, this is just a, a delusion that this kid has gotten them to believe to get back, and then it was like, No, wait, it's not. Oh shit.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest, that part was the part that kinda took me out a little bit, only because part of me wonders what the other three characters, if they were at all related to these the, the main characters and the other part was me wondering, is this just, I'm not trying to make you think there's a twist, uh, which I guess annoyed me a tad. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the, the thing about it is, is that each of the, the four characters who enter the story are, are basically just functional characters there to reveal things about the two main characters, Jonathan Groff and, and Ben Aldridge. They're playing a function in essentially a story that's happening to them.
0: right no i get that it's just the fact that the the main character the redhead the fact that he has a connection with them i thought was more of a distraction for me but
1: Ooh. i felt it necessary just to, to to build that little bit of extra doubt into the story as to what's happening you kind of needed that uh, aspect of it to make that to, to make the that final jump to the to the final thriller moments
0: I guess, yeah. but I'd throw the word convenient there, too. Uh, it, it could, I felt it was a little too convenient because you needed it, and it was mm-hmm. just... I don't know. Again, I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, that first kill or whatever was <laughs> very, very shocking. Uh, oh,
2: I wish I wish it had been Adrienne, because she was the most annoying character in the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts on knock at the cabin?
1: I've got about 2000 words. You can read about it on the, on the vocal page and uh, yeah, I did a big spoiler thing. So if you don't want to see the movie, you can just read that. (laughs) I I recommend seeing the movie, but yeah, you can also find a full length spoiler analysis as well.
0: Do you think it hangs around for your best of the year? Movies. no no it's
1: not it's it's not yeah. nearly that good uh it, it yeah you know, like i think on letterboxd i gave it maybe three and a half or four uh it's that's just never that's that's mid 50s per total by the end of the year i'm <laughs> betting yeah
2: it's really good it's just yeah I, you know it's 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 a it's just a good movie it's not yeah. oh my god i love it so much you know it's no you know megan
0: <laughs> i agree uh, I do like it, too, despite what I'm saying. I, I do think it's good. Uh, There's just things that took me out of it. All right. 80 for Brady.
1: 80 for Brady. It uh, it it sure is a movie that, that happened in front of cameras with actors. Um, 80 for Brady stars Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda as four friends who uh, fell in love with football while, while Lily Tomlin was recovering from cancer and... Uh, they fell in love with that cute guy, Tom Brady, as a rookie, and they followed him for 17 years of his career, and they figured this could be his last Super Bowl, so they decide they're going to go to the Super Bowl and see him play one last time in the Super Bowl. And It just so happens to be the Tom Brady's best Super Bowl, where he had the biggest moments of his career, the greatest comeback in NFL history. Uh, and weirdly enough, Tom Brady produced this movie. Weird. Centered around all of his best, his biggest moments. And it's all about how <laughs> how gorgeous he is and how great a person Tom Brady is. And it's like, good God. I mean, could, I don't know if anybody, I've ever seen anybody get their ego stroked this hard on screen before. Like, I, I mean, we've seen bullshit in movies before but like this is some high level bullshit (laughs) because tom brady tom brady he may be a nice person i don't know i i think he's a robot i think he's either a robot or an alien he might be a terminator i'm not sure he has no personality Whatsoever, he is just completely weird. Read or watch him in interviews. He is a strange, strange guy who just kind of barely relates to other human beings. And <laughs> watching him try to be genuine opposite opposite Lily Tomlin is very, very funny because she's giving real person energy and he's giving robot energy, and it's very different. Um, this movie <laughs> has no no funny moments. It has uh, uh, it has mildly amusing things that happen. Each of the characters has these built-in lame subplots that like you know, Sally Field's husband is uh, uh, she wants him to be more decisive on his own and uh, Jane Fonda keeps falling in love with every man she meets. So she meets a guy, Harry Hamlin, at the Super Bowl and she has to try and resist falling in love with him. Uh, Rita Moreno, I don't even know what her subplot is. Honestly, it's just she ga- she plays in a she poker game.
2: She can't move on <laughs> from her husband's death.
1: There, okay, thank you. Yes, uh, and uh, of course, Lily Tomlin is hiding the fact that her cancer might have come back. And oh man, I mean this this is a movie. This is a story that's better suited to like a five minute bit on like CBS Sunday morning. Like, it's just a five-minute thing where like, some 80-year-old host talks to the 80-year-old ladies about their love of the Super Bowl and it's over in five minutes. Uh, it's not a movie. Uh, they've tried to force this into being a movie, and it's not. This is not a movie. This is a series of just nonsense that's kind of mildly amusing because these women are very talented and lovable uh, because we, we they have so much history. Uh, but honestly, I mean, don't waste your time. Go watch Clute. <laughs> Don't waste your money Or your time on this Go watch a really great Jane Fonda movie Or or there's a, probably a really great Lily Tomlin movie out there uh, Or They're a great Sally one. Field movie or, uh, Rita Moreno Obviously has a number of really good movies But I mean It's just this, this movie is not worth Anyone's time
2: Well I saw it
1: <laughs> um,
2: I hate football Yeah I am not a Tom Brady fan as a person, just in general. Uh, but I will see anything that Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are in. I will see almost anything that Sally Field is in. And Rita Moreno can do no wrong. Um, that being said, I did not hate it as much as you did. I did think that, I, that the scene at the end where Tom Brady is talking to Lily Tomlin and she's try she's just trying to help him so badly (laughs) you can see it on her face where she's like you know she kind of she like clasps her hands and shrugs her shoulders at one point and it's it's very that that uncomfortable when you're not quite sure what to say to the person um but you know that he's missing a line and she's trying (laughs) to be like okay here i am she, by the way, and it not, it, this is not a plastic surgery thing. She looks, she is so incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. She just, she looks like, you know, she's in her 80s and she just has so much energy and she's, she's giddy to be there and with her friends, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes across, I, I, she was really good in it as usual. Um, I think that she, and Jane Fonda together. I mean, they've done so much together over the years and they've got another one coming out. Um, I, I just wish that, you know, they'd maybe uh, Jane Fonda could have played Sally Fields character and Dolly Parton could have played her character. That would have, (laughs) that would have like touched me in my little gay heart uh, as a big, as a big fan of nine to five. Yeah. That would have been perfection to me. Because we always, you know, we want to, for years, everybody's wanted to see a nine to five sequel. They wanted Dolly to be in Grace and Frankie, which thank God she was. Um, But, you know, I think this would have been the perfect opportunity for them to all three be in a movie together. Um, I thought that the Sally Field part where Bob Balaban can't remember, or, you know, couldn't remember to wear pants, I thought that her big arc was going to be that she had to finally say that he had dementia right (laughs) because honestly you know when she keeps saying pants you got to wear pants yeah i really thought that that's where it was going
1: they very much overplayed that hand
2: (laughs) and and, no it turns out that he just can't do anything by himself and i feel like i feel like it was gonna be alzheimer's or dementia and then they were like oh that's too heavy let's just make it that he's got to stand on his own two feet for a change I think like halfway through writing it, I think they were like, oh, (laughs) let's not go that dark with it. Um, You know? uh, And the, the, it was very predictable. Like you knew that, you know, when, when she said, oh, I I, I can't do this. I'm going to just, you know, I I can't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to win these tickets. And then she starts to call and you're like, oh, Okay. She's calling and then she says she won the tickets. You're like, eh, I think she w- they would have showed that. So uh, I knew it was it was cuttingly clear. I
1: mean yeah. the second she says my car's in the shop, you know she just sold her car to buy yeah. the Super Bowl tickets. It's like
2: And then when well, that's when not when I mean Sally, it's
1: not even an arc. <laughs>
2: no, no. And then when Sally Field loses the tickets at Guy Fieri's uh wing thing, I was like and they and they found them way so, so easily. I'm like, they're not they're fake. She yeah. bought fake tickets. Well, because they gave and... that
1: away in the trailer. Because they've got to be dancers with Billy Porter right, to get right. into the Super Bowl. So
2: just, that you know, just
1: it, horrific. It, but I, I'll, I'll I will say this for the movie: I uh, these four women were not completely humiliated. Like most of the time, movies with women <laughs> this age, they're con- the, all the jokes in any other By movie are about how they have to. How well, they have to have sex and they're very awkward about having sex and they can't have sex anymore. And
2: like you know, every Diane gonna, Keaton movie in the last Every years, Diane so.
1: Keaton movie they've, they've got to com- be completely humiliated to get to whatever the plot is going to be. Uh and here they didn't do that. They these four maintain their dignity, even in that awful dance scene. <laughs> they, they cut that thing so short, I'm so glad. They don't linger on it. They
2: just get it. And it was longer it. in the trailer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they get through it as quickly as possible they don't humiliate them and they move it on as quickly as they can i think the scene in the coach's booth is far more humiliating <laughs> it's just because it's such a terrible stupid awful scene that it just had to exist to to you know give this movie an ending it's so forced and so poorly shot it is Im- that's the only that's the only truly embarrassing scene in the movie
0: I didn't. Yeah, I. I go li- ahead.
2: Oh no, go ahead. Uh,
0: well, I was just going to say I didn't see it, but I mean, it's you have these four actresses who are legends, and this premise is so stupid <laughs> that they know what they're in for. I mean, they they are they definitely probably raise the bar on this movie. I'm oh assuming. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's it's hard not to though. <laughs>
2: I think with, with lesser actors in this movie,
1: like Diane Keaton,
2: like, like Diane, yeah, like Diane Keaton, I think this wouldn't, this wouldn't have been fun. And it was fun. It wasn't, you know, I laughed a couple times. I, you know, I thought there was some touching scenes in it, but it wasn't, it's not great art, but it was fun.
1: Fun's a bit of a stretch for me, but uh, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's mild, it's mild, it's un it's inoffensive and mild.
0: So Tom Brady's hardly in it.
1: (laughs) He's in it far too much. Uh, There's like, I mean, there's at least, what, 12 minutes of just stock footage from the Patriots Falcon Super Bowl in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally 12 minutes of stock footage. It's gross, but then like just any time Tom Tom Brady appears on screen is just kind of embarrassing. Uh, He's just so weird. He's such a weird guy, and he executive produced this movie, and it's just all about saying how great he is and how everyone loves him. And it's this here's him in his greatest moment. Lily Tomlin's cancer inspires him to beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl.
0: (laughs) I just can't go, go ahead.
2: I well I was just going to say I think that because this is based on a true story, loosely based. <laughs> loosely. Yes, loosely based on a true story. Jane Fonda um, think, did
1: not call plays in the <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> or Sally Field, excuse me. Yeah,
2: I I think that it, because it's you know, it's based on these four women who were you know, big fans and that that part kind of, that happened but I I think because it's loosely based on it, I think that's why he was you know, he was inspired to executive produce it or whatever. So I don't, I mean, I don't hold that against him. I don't think he's trying to be his like big ego. And I think they were probably like a bunch of football fans who were writing this because he said, Oh, I think this would be a good story. You know, we could do this. And I think that's where that, that, you know, metaphorically sucking his dick.
1: (laughs) I I think you're giving him far more credit than I'm willing to give him. I think this is all about his ego. I think everything about this, about him being so lovable and inspiring, and uh, I think this is all about his ego.
0: If he's a robot, its I don't think he's capable of doing I don't know. I, I'm kind of more on Jeff's side with it. Uh, that said, I'm curious to see what it's like when Tom Brady has to do stuff beyond play football, like talk on tv and stuff (laughs) 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 they had that
2: that, there's one moment at the end where he's they're going to swap jerseys and i thought this was a good like a little allusion to what actually happened at to him but he said oh i can't where's my jersey i can't it's shit i thought it was right here and that's the year that his jersey and a bunch of other ones got stolen out of the locker room (laughs) and if you know that story And you're like, oh, wait, oh, that's kind of funny. But if you don't know that story, it's like that's it doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, it just plays like you said earlier about how awkward it is. It's like they don't like he doesn't know that the scene is over and she doesn't know how to break it to him (laughs) that the scene is over.
2: I got Edith Ann from her. Remember the little girl who used to sit in the big chair on laughing and other stuff? (laughs) I got that when she when he was doing that and she kind of like, I kind of got Edith Ann from her and it made me smile.
1: It's quite awkward. Then, they, of course, they're going to make the joke at the end about his retirement because they have to do a, a credits joke about him retiring and whether or not he's going to retire and if he's staying retired. And, and of course, he retired the week the movie that came out. The movie came out. to, to He retired to promote the movie. <laughs>
0: it's a good business move.
1: <laughs> oh, of course, the accountant appreciates it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) My my closing, Bob, is this is a good Saturday afternoon movie. If you don't want, you want to kind of turn your brain off and not think about stuff so much.
1: You can easily nap to this. Absolutely,
0: (laughs) it seems weird to be in theaters. Like, be a good streaming movie, (laughs) but it is what it is. Uh, Because of eighty for Brady. Uh, we, and I guess it's my fault, picked Semi-Tough as our classic.
1: Semi-Tough, uh, directed by Michael Ritchie, who also directed The Candidate, a previous uh, classic on this show. Uh, it stars Burt Reynolds, Chris Christopherson, and Jill Clayburgh as uh, three friends who are living together, but not together as couples, at least not yet, as the story begins. Uh, they're football players, Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson for the team from Miami because uh, <laughs> they didn't want to license any NFL for this um, back, 77 I don't even know if he could at the time but uh, the, uh, uh, the story goes that Christopherson is into this like uh, guru guy played by Burke Convey uh, who's kind of this very mean spirited abusive guy very strange but he's also apparently very inspiring to some people I guess, but uh, he starts a romance with Jill Clayburgh as Chris Christopherson's character, and it kind of upends the dynamic between the trio as friends, and uh, meanwhile, Burt Reynolds is kind of pining for her, and really, there's not a plot here, necessarily. It's just sort of a series of ups and downs in the the friendship between these three people, and that's kind of interesting, and there's a lot of kind of interesting stuff here that uh, I think, if I were more familiar with, like, self-improvement in the 1970s i might have been a little bit more more interested or might have got the got the joke a little bit better i'm vaguely familiar with it like the pyramid stuff like i remember i remember the pyramid thing uh the the pyramid boom uh that that they carl weathers appears in the movie and brings it up and that was a real thing i know that was a real thing uh est is a, is is what the whole i think it was it called beat in this movie
2: yeah yeah
1: uh, it's based on the est movement which is this weird cult guy started it, and it is a whole self-improvement thing where people are like yelling and screaming and stuff and so they kind of built on that where just the first time you see burt Comby's character he just walks into a room full of people and calls them assholes <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's not wrong.
1: That's his big yeah. He's not wrong. Uh, That's his big introduction, and uh, yeah, I I like Jill Clayburg. I thought she was really, I thought she was really different. Uh, I think I was kind of put off by the accent, which kept dropping in and out throughout. Uh, This got very heavy at the end, uh, and that sort of kind of took me out of it a little bit. Uh, Burt Reynolds is very low key for a Burt Reynolds performance, like extremely low key. Uh, and uh, Chris Christopherson is just like, a, I, I just he's like a robot. He's like Tom Brady. Like just, I wasn't getting anything from him. I wanted something from him. He seemed very enthusiastic about his self-improvement thing. But overall, I didn't really find anything else interesting about his character. And So I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I don't dislike it. I, I was very disliking it about halfway through. And then uh, Burt Reynolds kind of perked it up a little bit. But uh, beyond that, I just really wasn't entirely sold on this movie.
0: Jeff?
2: Oh, no, you, Bob, because uh. you picked it. In <laughs> fairness, Sean picked
0: two movies, and I had to be the decision maker. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I It reminded me of kind of a Richard Linklater movie, like, you know, Everybody Wants them or something like that, or... Even Bad News Bears, the, the Michael Ritchie movie mm-hmm. version, uh, where it's about football, but football's in the background. And I, I kind of just wa- liked watching these characters interact. And to your point about uh, Chris Christopherson being a robot, I in a way, I kind of feel like that's almost intentional. Because like, he is, I don't know, it, it just kind of worked for me. I liked watching these characters interact I really loved the scene between Burt Reynolds and Carl Weathers that you were talking about earlier. I thought that was really funny, uh, and uh, the whole love triangle thing I just found neat. I don't know. I just I, I enjoyed just being around, watching all the characters interact, and then when you go and kind of read more about the behind the scenes and the book it's based on, and how the author hated this movie because it's nothing like the book and then you find out the book super racist and <laughs> uh, they took as much of that out as they could uh <laughs> not all of it not all of it uh <laughs> but a lot <laughs> of it uh i don't know I, I i was pleasantly surprised with the movie
2: okay i again don't know shit about football don't care about football i'm not i'm not supposed to however um what you said about it being in the background, I was, yeah, that I was expecting, you know, kind of like this, oh, my God, if, if, is he going to ruin the season by getting together with Jill Clayburg, And is that, you know, that's what I was expecting going into it. And I was personally just a little taken aback at how disjointed it was and how it was just vignettes, you know, kind of like 80 for Brady. There's a lot of little vignettes in it and it's not super cohesive, but it gets you to the end. And then at the end, it just kind of goes off the rails. And you know, that whole, this whole scene in the church, I was just like, (laughs) what the fuck is going on? And you know, I, I, again, yeah, with Jill Clayburgh, I was, I was very impressed that she's only like 10 years younger than either one of those guys, as opposed to being 25 years younger like it would be today if they remade that movie
0: <laughs> or um, 15 years before.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, wait, Jill, Cla- Jill Clayburgh is in this and she plays a love interest. She's not 20 and they're 40. <laughs> um, I think that <laughs> one of the things that like Sean said, her accent and I, I love Jill Clayburgh. Clayberg I thought she was a terrific actress. She was one of my favorite parts of bridesmaids. um, um and, you know, a lot of other stuff in the 70s and 80s, but the way her accent kept dropping, I was like, girl, you should have just played <laughs> it as, you know, you're this her, her normal patrician self, where she was, you know, a little northeast, and her, you know, her father could be in Texas, sure, but she was in, you know, he could be from Texas, and she could have gone to boarding school in the northeast, and now she wants to be part of the, te- you know, that kind of thing. Um, rather than her trying to be like, well, one time I was at the thing at the barbecue, and then I was at that kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's where she keeps dropping it.
1: Well, the problem though is that uh, you've got Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson who are supposed to be her childhood friends, and they are also very southern. So she has to that she was she was locked in on the southern thing whether she wanted to or not.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I just I I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I was, I was mostly engaged with it. If I watch a movie at home and that's one of the reasons I like going to the theater. If, if I'm watching a movie at home, I cannot just watch a movie unless I know that I'm taking the time to it. And there's usually somebody else there. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise I'm just kind of like, Oh God, I got to pick up my, my iPad and draw or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I can't, that's, it's just not my nature. Um, but I was, for the most part, actually kind of watching the movie, and, and the last ten minutes of it, I was really going, "Huh, okay." Yeah, um, you- I did not think. Good. What? Go ahead. Go ahead, Bob.
0: Oh, I go. I, I didn't. It was Sean. You're good.
2: Oh, I think that this was not Burt Reynolds' strong point in his career. I don't think he was. I Think he was just being Burt Reynolds more than he was the character and that took me out a couple times you know where it was just kind of like okay um he's just doesn't seem like he wanted to be there for a couple of the scenes so mm-hmm. that was all i
1: i uh i was taken out early on by this movie early on is like the first few minutes of this movie are very chaotic to me and the the, the sound design was really bugging me with the I usually I don't mind overlapping dialogue uh, that doesn't bother me so much because I like Robert Altman movies. But the overlapping dialogue here and especially early on uh, and then we get to that chaotic uh, commercial shooting uh, where it was just it was just all over the place in terms of the tone and the humor. I I was just I was getting very annoyed. And I was kind of feeling the annoyance that people who were making the commercial were probably feeling uh, and, and not the entertainment value that the main characters were feeling. And it, it does ease up from there. Uh, and there are some charming elements. I thought the whole Brian Dennehy thing was <laughs> very broadly funny. Uh, that he At one point, he picks up a woman and hangs her off a roof and thinks about dropping her. And I did like Chris Christopherson going, hey, you know what? Whichever choice you make, drop her or don't drop her. That's the decision you make, and that's who you are, man. Just be you. But <laughs> he is so high right now. <laughs> and I
2: of, that I had
1: have... kind of bought in on that a little bit for that was that's where the movie kind of got better for me at that point. But uh, overall, I, yeah, I wasn't entirely sold.
2: The fact that I had to see Braden He's ass though, <laughs> come on.
1: <laughs> no one should have to see that.
2: I only, I think of him as the uh, John Wayne Gacy from that TV movie. <laughs> so it was like seeing John Wayne Gacy's ass, and I could totally see John Wayne Gacy dangling a woman over the <laughs> over a building.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I like the fact too that I mean the Super Bowl is in this movie, and it's so doesn't even matter. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's not what they're building <laughs> well, up to.
2: Am I am I high or? Is the the timeline of the Super Bowl and Christmas, and it seems like they are one day it's Christmas and then two days later they're going to play in the Super Bowl.
0: I don't think that Michael Ritchie cared.
1: <laughs> like, is, is,
0: that,
2: is that what it is? Because I know that like this was it was not middle of January when they played the Super Bowl, <laughs> and who's going to have their rehearsal the day before the Super Bowl? And then they're getting married the, like the day after? Or I, I, That's what I was like, wait a minute. Is, is everybody on Quaaludes that's behind the scenes in this movie? Yes.
0: I, I think there's probably something to that. Because even like the, the end of the movie, the whole wedding thing, uh, just like he was like, all right, I'm done directing. Whatever we capture, we capture. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but in a way that was kind of charming. I don't know. And then... You know, back to Burt Comby's character. You know, I've always talked about how much I hate the movie Magnolia, but I've always liked the Tom Cruise character. He just Mm -hmm. totally lifted that from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So I like it even less now. (laughs) Uh, Anything else on Semi-Tough?
1: Not really. It's pretty it's pretty minor to me in terms of 70s cinema like uh, I think uh, you know if you're gonna watch a 70s movie watch Night Moves Night Moves was way way better than this
0: I think Jeff's description was the best so I, I, it kept me engaged I suppose that's that's the best I can say about it it wasn't much better than that other than I watched it and stayed engaged in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I said it was fantastic in the chat I was just kidding
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I was like, Sorry. when are we going to
1: get to the part that Bob really loved? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was literally waiting for you to say.
2: Oh, God.
0: Sorry. I don't participate in the chat enough to, to do stuff like that. I apologize.
1: No, you're fine. Uh,
0: 1993, we have five movies and a bonus podcast coming out later this week that Sean recorded. Uh, we had The Vanishing, Summers B, Homeward Bound, The Cemetery Club, and National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Anything worth talking about? We, The bonus episode is on Loaded Weapon 1, correct, Sean?
1: Yes. Yeah, we, Me and MJ and Amy uh, talked about Loaded Weapon 1. Uh, it was a really fun conversation. Uh, and the, the fact that that movie is so forgotten blows my mind because this movie is hilarious. Uh, and it's not... Like, we were going into it, we were very worried that this is not going to age well, like it's going to be a lot of jokes. Like, there's a reason this movie's forgotten, there's going to be a lot of jokes that are just not up to par in this day and age. And no, like, no, this movie's actually kind of progressive, especially for 1993, especially based on what we'd seen leading up to it with Hexed and Body of Evidence and, and Children of the Corn. Like, this is a very forward-thinking film. And on top of that, it's just got a lot, I mean, wall-to-wall, really terrific jokes uh, that really land. Uh, Emilio Estevez and, and Samuel L. Jackson are terrific, but then you've got like this unending, brilliant supporting cast, Tim Curry dressed as a Girl Scout amazing uh you got I mean, phil hartman does like two minutes of stand-up in the movie that are just it's like the best kind of anti-comedy before anti-comedy had ever been invented uh you've got just this random chips reference that was very funny uh paul gleason stops by jt walsh i mean the cast is unending the bruce and willis brilliant. cameo bruce willis's cameo is terrific uh the basic instinct bit Like every, this is the third movie now that is basically either a ripoff of Basic Instinct or or is referencing Basic Instinct. And I, but this is the best Basic Instinct joke I've seen in a movie. The, The gratuitous beaver shot is fucking hilarious. And I did, we did have to stop for a moment and tell MJ, like, MJ's 18 years old. They have no idea. What basic instinct is. (laughs) And (laughs) and so we did stop. I did stop it and say, okay, this night, uh, when basic instinct came out, there was a scene in an interrogation room where it's the most paused moment in movie history. So many people ruined VCRs looking at this just to pause it in time to see between Sharon Stone's legs if they didn't have the unrated cut. And
2: (laughs) wait, Sharon Stone shows her
1: beaver? (laughs) I'm just kidding. And. So I did pause and, and explain that to them, uh, and but the the jokes even the even then the jokes were still landing uh, on things that they'd never even seen before, which I thought was pretty fantastic. It just a testament to how incredibly funny this movie is. I think it's just as good, uh, not maybe not better, but just as good as the Naked Gun movies or Airplane or Hot Shots. That this movie didn't get a sequel or or even any kind of follow up, and that it's fallen into obscurity as it has, blows my mind because this is terrific.
0: Well, I mean, I think part of the joke that was loaded weapon one. Uh, if they did a sequel, I don't know. If it <laughs> it kind of kills the joke. I don't. I, I to me, Hot Shots is the best of that era. I mean, Airplane feels like the era before it, uh, and I think that might be why it's kind of forgotten, uh, or mm. one of the reasons. Plus, everybody else thinks Naked Gun is. So, but I agree. The, I, I, it's, I don't know. It was fun, and now that you talk about it, some things come back that I have kind of forgot about. Uh, the butt the but the moonshine walk the. <laughs> just, that was so great. It's a good movie.
1: There's a there's this fantastic bit where they're questioning J.T. Walsh about whether or not he'd met Whoopi goldberg's character or could identify Whoopi goldberg's character they pull out a t-shirt with Whoopi goldberg's face on and he's like yeah i'm not sure i don't know if i recognize her so they pull up her corpse <laughs> and, you know, the cor- it's like yeah she kind of looks familiar that's great there's a again they did a fantastic bit with john Lovitz, who's doing it kind of a joe pesci right. lethal weapon riff and there's this great part where he gets shot and he's a, he's laying on a gurney and he's talking to samuel jackson's like am i gonna be okay am i gonna be okay and samuel L. jackson's like yeah you're gonna be fine man and then they zip him up in a body bag and throw him <laughs> in a quarters man like just i mean wall to wall the jokes in this movie land it's so great and I was so glad that MJ loved it. It was just so much fun.
0: Yeah, we talked about it prior to the show, but Kathy Ireland's kind of the unsung oh, hero yeah. of the movie, too. She's surprisingly funny and really holds the movie together.
1: She she gets a, a bunch of great stuff in this. And, of course, Shatner as the villain. <laughs> spectacular.
0: Charlotte Sheen <laughs> pops up.
1: Yeah, as Gern. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i need to go back and watch that
1: i absolutely recommend it and of course we got it we go into even deeper in the uh, in the 93 podcast uh, with me and mj and amy which will be out later this week and i mean we're just having so much fun with that show our next one's going to be on untamed heart in which uh, christian slater believes he has a baboon heart and let me tell you that movie is completely insane <laughs>
0: I was having a hard time of figuring what movie you're going to do cuz next week in 93 we got Dead Alive, Groundhog Day, Love Field, The Temp and Untamed Heart. I thought for sure it was going to be Dead Alive or Groundhog Day. I'm glad you're not doing Groundhog Day. So that's Yeah, awesome.
1: I, I, I don't want to watch Groundhog Day. I'm like, I'm like one of the few people who are not a Groundhog Day fan. Uh, but we were looking forward to Untamed Heart because I uh, because we've been referencing the Baboon Heart thing for a little bit and That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, I mean I could not we, we already did the show that'll be out in two weeks and yeah
0: <laughs> so it's already in the can
1: <laughs> it's already in the can because i'm going to the super bowl next week uh, i'm going with i'm going with jane fonda and lily tomlin uh to the super bowl
2: uh you're going to the sur- superb owl party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, well, are we allowed week, to you? say super bowl no <laughs> uh, i thought We're, we have we, to say the big we,
1: game we, We've been immediately demonetized. Uh, the show will oh, not appear darn. on Apple.
2: Wait, it'll appear. We monetized? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's why oh, we're shit. fine. <laughs> I wasn't
1: supposed to
2: tell Jeff. <laughs> well, I guess I have to cancel my Patreon now.
0: <laughs> You're the one person monetizing the podcast.
2: <laughs> Am I really? I thought I... I no, there,
0: there's a couple more, but not many.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, not many.
0: Uh, the money I paid just for ellipse and subscription is more than we make in Patreon. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Next week we have Magic Mike three Consecration. Uh-huh. Uh, is that um-
2: the subtitle of it? Magic Mike three
1: consecration.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to have seen the first two magic mics.
1: Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Mike 2 is really good. It's a really That's good movie. Hilarious. Magic Mike is a really is a good movie too, but like I liked actually like Magic Mike 2 a lot. That was actually really very funny. Uh, I'm intrigued I've actually what they're going to do with this one. Magic
2: Mike. And I yeah. own Magic Mike 2, but I've never watched it. So I'll watch it before.
1: It's a good choice. Yeah, it's it's a funny movie. Um uh, my consecration review is already up if you want to read that ahead of time and we'll of course talk about that it is coming to town so if you do want to see it Fuck.
0: is it any good or do i do going have to wait and find out
1: I, you know what just yeah just wait to find out <laughs> don't read my review
2: uh, <laughs> am I going to have to spend money to see this and like be really pissed off again
1: maybe <laughs> uh, maybe uh. I mean, you might want to see it. Maybe you'll find something in it that I didn't. You know, you, you, the the horror expert that you are. Oh, wow. This is true. You might find Let's something see I, there.
2: See if I can sneak in after Magic Mike 3. I still think Magic Mike 3 Consecration sounds <laughs> better. There's also a,
1: a Netflix movie with Jason Bateman that's coming out on Friday that I'm going to be... Uh, Writing about this week, so if we want to have that, we can um, have that. I was also
0: there. there's another one with Reese Witherspoon. I don't know if we're going to do it or not. Your place or mine? And then Allison Brie has a movie on Amazon called Somebody I Used to Know hmm. coming out this weekend. Oh,
2: oh. with uh, yeah, with uh, Dave Franco.
0: Imagine that.
2: <laughs> well, I mean,
0: <sighs> those two. Do you guys go together. see
2: Consecration. I'll I'll take the Allison Brie for the win. <laughs>
0: I want to watch that too though. Uh the classic next week is My Bloody Valentine. Both of them, I don't if you want. <laughs> uh, we'll talk yeah, about Yeah, we both might of I ones.
2: mean we might as well talk about both of them.
0: And then like I mentioned 1993, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, Groundhog Day, Love Field, The Temp and Untamed Heart. Um,
1: Please watch Untamed Heart.
0: <laughs> I want to watch Groundhog Day again. <laughs> I actually don't love groundhog day i don't hate it i I don't know if you hate it or not i can't remember
1: i don't hate it no i i just i'm not as big a fan as everybody else i
0: definitely think it's overrated yeah that's how i
2: groundhog day not have come out before groundhog day (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's throwing money out
1: out why did the lepre why was leprechaun the coming the first movie of 1993 like
2: (laughs) i think i really think they thought that was gonna have a long (laughs) shelf life
0: uh, all right. Flick chart. The Dark Knight Rises, American Beauty starring Nick Cage.
1: Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yep.
0: It's American Beauty for me.
1: Because of Nick Cage?
0: Uh, oops, I hit the wrong button. Uh, a Good Day to Die. I didn't hit American Beauty. I just hit, I haven't seen this movie. I saw, yeah. Uh, a Good Day to Die Hard or Annabelle?
1: Annabelle
2: yep annabelle because a good day to die hard has jay courtney in it and he is on fucking watchable
1: terrible and i mean you just it's just unwatchable that's how bad it is. and i don't even like annabelle so i mean that tells you how <laughs> much how bad. Uh, we
2: know how much sean loves the conjuring universe
1: yeah not a fan
0: next go go
2: go next yes go
0: <laughs> the brady bunch movie man on the moon
2: Man on the Moon. Brady Bunch movie. So much more fun and rewatchable.
0: <laughs> That's Man on the Moon, but the more I read about it, the more I dislike it. Love sure, Actually, game. Hotel
2: Hotel
1: Chevalier is a short short
0: before one of those yeah. weird movies. Love Actually, Three Men and a Baby.
1: Love Actually.
2: Yeah, I Love Actually, even though I don't love that movie like everybody else does.
0: Agreed. Liar Liar on the Waterfront.
1: On the waterfront. On the waterfront.
0: Yeah. Black Klansmen. what's the worst that could happen?
1: Black Klansmen. <laughs> Black Klansman.
0: Agreed. Police Academy, The Others. The Others.
2: Yeah, although I have a soft spot in my uh, heart for <laughs> Steve Gutenberg in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the Jerk, 30 Days of Night
2: the jerk yeah i uh, 30 days of night the time i saw that was a very like special
0: memory but yeah the lighthouse election
1: this is hard this is a tough one um man cuz i i really enjoyed the experience of the lighthouse and especially what the our conversation about it afterwards was a lot of fun and, but Election's a really great movie. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Lighthouse just for the recency bias, just because I think recency, and plus, like I said, I, I thought our conversation about that was really great.
2: Uh, Election was the first movie I really enjoyed Reese Witherspoon in. I'm going to go Election. It's up to you, Bob.
0: That's the Lighthouse for the recency bias, but I do like Election a lot. Uh, King of Dollars, Excalibur.
1: No, never seen King uh, of Dollars.
0: Didn't see a 1903. About 1903. O- <laughs> 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 liar, Liar, Excalibur.
1: Liar, Liar for a- me. Uh,
2: Excalibur, Alan Mirren.
0: It's liar, Liar for me. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Scott Pilgrim versus the world.
1: This is tough, but uh, I'm going to go Scott Pilgrim.
2: Yeah, I didn't, I'm going to go Scott Pilgrim. I don't think the Harry Potter movies really took off until Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. If if it was Prisoner of Azkaban, I would have picked that.
0: Wreck-It Ralph, Father of the Bride.
1: Wreck-It Ralph, buy a lot.
2: <laughs> I
1: find the Father of the Bride movies insufferable.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning. Have we seen that?
1: I don't think I've seen that one. No, I've never seen that one.
0: All right, Pet Cemetery, 1989, Incredibles Two.
1: Uh, they're both terrible, but I think Incredibles Two is probably slightly better.
2: I'm saying Pet Cemetery. That movie was life changing for me.
0: <laughs> really? I
2: um. Well, okay. First of all, Sean and I have a cousin who was the same age as Gage in that movie who looked like him <laughs> and i i was writing reviews for the school paper and i saw that with my friend and it was like holy shit this is this is just like finally a stephen king movie that didn't suck that was before we all saw carrie but right
0: i, I don't know i can't stand this movie uh <laughs> i go incredibles too i do like the Einstein kill song based on it though and they're my bloody Valentine song. Uh Kramer versus Kramer, Dom I mean, This is not a movie. <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer, John Carter.
1: Oh for fuck's sake. They're both terrible. <laughs> um like this I wanna see Sean like
2: go back and forth on this it's it's
1: fishing with Gandhi. I mean, they're both they're both basically unwatchable. Um uh, John Carter, I
2: guess. Really? I'm gonna say John Carter because I like the effects in it. I thought they were decent, and it, it was a it was a swing. and a miss. Kramer versus Kramer was there.
1: Could have used some special effects to remove Dustin Hoffman.
0: <laughs> X Men: The Boondock Saints. X Men.
2: I'm one of the I'm one of those people that just does not like the Boondock Saints. that's you're more
1: than you're welcome on this
0: podcast yeah all three of
1: us (laughs) (laughs) oh
2: it's oh my god it's a film the film this film i'm like shut Uh, the fuck up it's like it's a movie and it's not very good
0: no it's like very rarely do i say i'm better than anybody (laughs) but but when it comes to people who call that a film and think it's great it's like Mm. i know i'm better than you
1: (laughs) it's like the dude bro pulp fiction
2: (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) reservoir dogs for football high school football players
0: and the fact that they can't see it is insane Mm. okay with my lisp i can't say this uh shang chi and the legend of the ten rings a robin Hood, prince of thieves
2: shang chi shang chi is how you say it first of all and it has my husband in it, so we're gonna we're gonna pick that.
0: <laughs> I do love Robin Hood, though. Bloodsport in Bruges.
2: In Bruges, oh, oh Bloodsport! Oh my God, Bloodsport <laughs> We watched that that and Kickboxer at like so many high school parties. <laughs> I, <okay. laughs>
0: if it was Kickboxer, I think I'd go in Bruges. But I do like Bloodsport. Yeah. Rocky 5, this is the one you hate, Sean. And the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. (laughs)
1: Thank you for reminding me because I would have forgotten. (laughs) Uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which is desperately underrated.
2: I don't think I've seen that one, but okay, I don't like Rocky 5.
0: Rocky 5 is awful. An American Werewolf in London, American Psycho.
2: (gasps) American Psycho. This one's hard for me because American Werewolf in London is... It's funny... And the effects in it are so good. I'm gonna pick American Werewolf in London. Just that the Griffin Dunn his his decay from freshly fresh corpse to just rotted zombie is just my favorite part of that movie. So we're picking that.
0: And since I haven't seen But I
2: do love, love, love American Psycho.
0: I am going American Cycler just based on recency bias. I've seen that in the last fifteen years, and I haven't seen. American are <laughs> off in London in probably twenty. Uh, doubt Saturday Night Fever.
2: Doubt doubt. Viola Davis doubt. all day.
0: Creed multiplicity eight millimeter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you imagine a mashup of those two movies? Um- <laughs>
0: all his clones get snuffed. Can you imagine if they switched characters and Michael Keaton was an eight millimeter? Just multiple series?
1: Oh my God! You just improved both movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. I could actually, I could actually see Michael Keaton.
0: Uh-huh.
2: If if it if it had been before Batman, I could never have seen him in eight millimeter. After Batman, I could totally see him in eight millimeter.
0: Right. So what uh, is it?
2: <laughs> eight millimeter t- for me.
1: It's tough because, like, I I read all this. I read the story about what eight millimeter was supposed to be, and it's like Andrew Kevin Walker just keeps getting fucked over and fucked over over time. It's such a great idea for that movie that was so insane, and they just totally fucked him over. Um, I read that, but yeah, I'll go eight millimeter just because I don't. I don't really find multiplicity is funny when you're twelve, but like. <laughs>
0: I haven't seen it since then yeah (laughs) so my memory of it it's i liked it (laughs) all right eight millimeter it is planet of the apes baby's day out
1: planet of the apes (sighs) yep
0: the maltese falcon x-men
1: maltese falcon
2: yep even though the queer baiting in it is a little
0: frequency hoosiers
2: they're both
1: mm. garbage. No. Well, I. Hoosiers is less garbage, so let's go with that.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't have Jim Cavie- Caviezel. Exactly. The, the most put upon man in Hollywood because he's a Christian. <laughs> oh, I'm persecuted.
1: <laughs> Fuck
2: him.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Shaking little Army of Darkness.
1: Army of Darkness huh. coming up. It's coming up soon yeah. on yep. 93.
2: Army of Darkness.
0: The interpreter, Electra.
1: Interpreter is not terrible, whereas Electra is terrible, so yeah.
2: If it had been Daredevil Director's Cut, I would have picked that. But Electra is just not. No, it's not. That's not it. So pick the interpreter, even though I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, 48 Hours Crouching Tiger.
1: Crouching
2: Tiger.
0: Crouching Tiger. I always wait for one to end on, and then they just start to fizzle <laughs> out. Sometimes. Adam's family values speed to cruise control.
1: Adam's family
2: values. Adam's family values.
0: We're just gonna fall asleep doing this. Heavenly creatures, Mrs. Parker and the vicious circle.
1: Uh, they're both heavenly creatures. They're both good. Um, I really, really, really love the uh, the um, Sarah. Uh, god i can't remember her name now off the top of my head but uh, the jennifer lead performance mrs parker is so good it's just so amazing and i'm gonna go with that one actually jennifer jason lee yeah jennifer jason lee she's amazing in that movie
0: she's amazing in a lot of things i will go heavenly creatures though i'm planning to revisit mrs parker
2: i'm just i'm happy to see the melanie linsky renaissance in the last few years some that's why I, I always go to heavenly creatures
0: all right we're done about a boy can win i know you guys or yeah or about Sean a boy definitely yeah, I, one,
1: yeah.
0: fuck. all right uh <laughs> show's over i'll talk to you guys next week hopefully before valentine's day
1: all right sounds yes. good all right, see you later
0: see you guys bye